When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Here's a 49-yard drop, and this one is good. And a tie ball game with two seconds left. Pressure that Kirk Cousins had to sleep on last night. Cup coming in on the road. This place is going to be loud. It's all right back on number eight. The Saints are the real deal. This was a really tough environment. Uh, I put it right up there with any any time I've ever played. And in the fourth quarter, when we had a ten point lead, he's he texting me. He's like, "Okay, it's time to go up top to Diggs or Thielen to put this game away." And I kept agreeing with him. You know, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> And once we did in the fourth in overtime to Thielen, when the game is on the line. Play action, Cousins. Thielen, he's got it! Inside the five. The ball sitting at the two. 43 yards from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen, and they're two yards away from a win. I, I, I will say, you know, throwing to Rudy is... You know, kind of an acquired deal because he looks covered most of the time, but he's so big and his hands are so good that if you just give him a chance, he's going to catch it. Cousins throws, passes, caught for the win! Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on! That was a fun game. Loved it. I loved it so much. That's how we've won all year, Pete. All right, thank you, Jonathan Harrison, for putting that together to start the show today with a lot of energy. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels. Coming off of the Minnesota Vikings 26-20 to win, uh, Sage, before we get into you breaking down and telling us what the heck happened on those three excellent throws by Kirk Cousins in overtime, because I want you to go in depth and break it down and tell us how they were able to succeed. But first of all, just back it up and tell me your reaction to that win yesterday. Uh, well, one, I have chills from listening to that, uh, to that intro. That was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, for the Vikings to go down to New Orleans, get that win in overtime, 
uh, actually even better to get the ball and not give it back to the Saints and win in overtime. Uh, that was, uh, it feels, even though I'm you know not a part of the team per se, I'm not on the team, but it uh, feels like a little redemption for 2009, uh, for that 2009 season, 2010 NFC Championship game. So what a fun game to watch. The Vikings played really, really well. It was a well-played ball game. Uh, they overcome that early turnover by Adam Thielen. And uh, and they everything sort of had to go a sort of I feel like a certain way. Uh, you know, the Saints made a couple of really big mistakes that that fake punt they had where they uh, were offside. Mm-hmm. That was going to be a first down. That was a huge mistake by them. Uh, there was the spike penalty at the end of the game where maybe they have a chance to take a shot at the end zone. You know, Brees throws that interception at the end of the first half, and the Vikings end up getting a touchdown out of it. They also miss a field goal at the end of the first half. Uh, the, the, the Saints made a few mistakes, and the Vikings capitalized, and a fantastic win, and obviously the overtime win in the way Kirk Cousins made uh, the, those throws in overtime. In, in particular, you know, two throws uh, that were, were just big time, or I should say three if you talk the touchdown, but three throws in overtime that were big time and uh and actually the play to adam thielen if you remember about two to three months ago i was up there and i did that little chalk talk video that would be, you guys probably still have somewhere on the website that was one of the plays that we talked about that was past 14 week x burner and the x burner route is the x on the high corner uh when it was actually kyle rudolph coming across on his deep crossing route as number two and versus man-to-man coverage a lot of times what happens is the corner because the receiver's inside and he knows he has that free safety help he likes to undercut any sort of in breaking route or anything like that and he undercuts the play Thielen gives a little something at the top. He goes high corner, a perfect throw, and an unbelievable catch by Adam Thielen. Okay, well, let's go there then with with the three throws in overtime because I have on the middle of our website right now um, a look at what the players said about those. And we can start with that one, but I also thought that the throw on third and one to Stephon Diggs is is really big there, Sage. Uh, well, it was really, actually, there's even another one. I, the first throw, they just do a play action. They're trying to uh, take a shot a little bit further down the field. No one's there versus zone coverage. Kirk does exactly what you're supposed to do. Don't force it. Gets his check down in the flat. I mm-hmm. think it ended up bringing up a, a, a second short or a third and short. Uh, and uh, they had the screen, which he throws the ball away. There was absolutely going to be nothing there. If he hits uh, Dalvin Cook on the screen, they're probably going to lose five or six yards. So yep. that was actually a good, you know, that, that's a great incompletion uh, uh, by Kirk Cousins. And then, yeah, there's uh, they have a third and one, and uh, they throw a slant. They call it dragon concept, a flat route with a slant, and and it opens up man to man coverage. And, and Kirk hits him right in the chest, which you which you won those those tighter throws an excellent throw there uh and then the you know the vikings obviously move the ball after that and 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 that's what was interesting to me sage is that on third and one everybody in the building is thinking they're going to hand off to delvin cook at that point and it's it's insane there as you know you've been there for a playoff game we won't talk about it but the atmosphere there everybody in the press box had heart rates through the roof and we're not even playing we're just covering the game and we don't even care who wins and yet just the the the, the tension the atmosphere the noise in there and, and leaning into all the big huge moments you can totally understand why athletes mess these up in the biggest moments but here's kirk being given the confidence of his offensive coordinator to throw a slant there, and it's man press coverage, and everybody's up in the box. They're expecting Delvin Cook to get the ball. It was the perfect call there and the perfect throw. 
by Kirk Cousins and the release off the line of scrimmage against Janoris Jenkins from Stephon Diggs. I don't know that people realize because Diggs is just so excellent all the time at being a wide receiver, how hard it is to just break off of the line of scrimmage and be wide open in the middle of the field for an eight yard gain. But Diggs did a great job of it there. And it was the perfect call from Kevin Stefanski. It was a great call. And, you know, slant routes versus bump coverage can be dicey. A lot of times the cornerback is right on the back of the wide receiver. You got to put the ball right on him. But Stefan Diggs, with his incredible quickness, had a great release off the line and gave Kirk a little bit of room just in case it wasn't a perfect throw, but it was a really good throw. But yeah, you know, it all starts on those slants. Those receivers have to get separation. And it's interesting, you know, they they judge these receivers in a couple months. They're going to be talking about which receivers coming out for the draft. And this guy's six foot three and he's 220 pounds and he runs a four four one. And this guy's a this and this guy's hand size is this and blah blah blah. And his step can the guy get separation? from somebody that's trying to guard him. That's what it's all about, and that's what Adam Thielen does so well, and that's not a combine stat. You know what I mean? That's not a three-cone drill. All right, that's uh, There's just a natural thing there, and Diggs can do that. Adam Thielen can do that, and Diggs, uh, you know, that was a big-time play was to just get open on a slant on third and one. Right, this was your big players at your biggest time because they hand it off to Delvin Cook. He takes it to the other side of the field, and Delvin Cook runs into Marshawn Lattimore at the end of an 11-yard gain, and Lattimore is their shutdown corner. He has to leave the field. Patrick Robinson, who hadn't played all game, he comes in, and he's pressing against Adam Thielen right there. And all game long, Sage, it was two deep safeties, and it was the Saints saying, we are not going to let you throw those deep balls because those are the thing that killed so many teams back in October. And we saw at the Denver game when Denver blew the 20-point lead. How did they do it? Well, they were able to hit shots down the field. And the Vikings did a great job of being patient in this game. And Cousins had to do some straight drop backing where he's not always the best and, and make three throws on third down that he doesn't always make, but he did it yesterday. But it felt perfectly timed by Kevin Stefanski to say, we just got an 11-yard run. They just brought in somebody who is a backup and who hasn't played all day. Let's get this shot down the field. Let's run our play action there. And then, as you mentioned, the throw and the catch. I still can't figure out from watching it how Adam Thielen makes the catch because he must have lost the ball. There's no way that he could have his eyes on the ball as it's dropping in. So he basically had to just move his hands to time it out based on what he had seen from looking back, which is just outrageous hand-eye coordination. But I thought, Sage, perfect play at the perfect time. Perfect play, perfect time. And, you know, after that completion to uh, Stefan Diggs on, on that nice 11-yard run, now what happened was uh, the Saints brought some sort of corner blitz or a free safety blitz from the weak side, and usually the defensive line uh, for the Saints has to uh, sort of move in the opposite direction as that corner blitz, and somebody didn't do that. I think it was the defensive end or maybe it was the three technique, got out of his gap, and that ball stayed strong side uh, on that inside zone, ends up getting 11 yards, and then, yeah, for the injury to happen and then for the comeback and take that shot, you're going to get probably man-to-man coverage, and, and that's you know smart thinking by. Uh, 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 by Kevin Stefanski, you know you, you got to think that the Saints are going. Okay, we're not going to let these guys just run the ball on us. I'm sure they went back and they watched that Dallas Cowboys film and how at the end of that football game the Vikings ran the ball ten times in a yep. row for that game-winning drive. All right, we're going to make Kirk Cousins beat you, uh, be- beat them, not uh, n- not uh, Dalvin Cook. And so they go with the play action. Hadn't hit a really deep one. 
really all game, and, and they get the perfect coverage. They get that cover one. They get the backup corner. He undercuts it. Uh, and, and I said uh, 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 Adam Thielen runs that great, has a little bit, little, little move at the top, just a little shake, gets him to undercut it, and boom, high angle corner. And, and uh, yeah, I'd like to know what, uh, what, what his thoughts are. If he, could, if he did see that ball, sometimes they say if you get sort of the ball lost in the lights, they say catch the lights. <laughs> sometimes, or, or catch the shadow sometimes, you know. And, and an unbelievable, unbelievable catch from the look over shoulder and they make make that catch get them on the one yard line so at that point you're thinking okay they're going to stuff it in here yeah. with one of these runs and sure enough they go oh for one on the first one lose about three or four yards on the second one which sets up that third down yeah if there was a questionable call it was to pitch outside when the saints had done a really good job on the pitches even going back to the play that was almost a fumble by delvin cook and his knee was down but that was another one of those pitches that the saints seemed to be prepared for so i was well, surprised well, I will, by that call i will say this so uh uh, on the goal line, you know, there's various types of goal line defenses out there. Some teams play sort of a five-man front. Some teams sort of have a six-two front, and there's various types of five-man fronts and six-twos within that. And what the Saints had done a couple times earlier in that ball game, and they did it on that play as well, is when they're in that six-two front, they really squeeze the D lineman down, and w- which would tell you you have to sort of toss the ball around those types of guys. You're not going to be able to just run up the middle mm-hmm. unless you have a guy can just jump over over the top like the old Walter Payton, you know, so style. So that's the reason they were tossing the ball in that situation is because the type of goal line defense that the Saints were in would think it's almost going to be impossible to run the ball up the middle. Yeah, I guess I was thinking at that point, because I'm always trying to, in the press box, predict what's going to come next. I kind of look at, all right, how are they aligned and, and what might they do here and what have they done in the past? And I thought that play in Los Angeles where they fake pitched to Delvin and found uh, Irv Smith in the back of the end zone, I thought, Okay, maybe they try that again. So they lose the yardage. And then here is the play from the AFC Championship last year. Gronkowski against a cornerback. This is where everyone fell in love with Tony Romo. And then you came on the radio and said, everyone would have known that that you throw that ball. So I remember the things you say, Sage. So I tweeted, as soon as I saw the alignment and the matchup, I tweeted, throw to Rudolph. And then the next play is throw to Rudolph. Troy Aikman on the broadcast circles Kyle Rudolph. That's right. Everybody must have known at that point that's what they're going to do. And I had a conversation with Kyle maybe his last year's camp or two years ago camp, about lining him up as a wide receiver. And if he's out there with a corner, it's a, it's a big mismatch. If he's out there with a linebacker, that means that linebacker's not in the box. And it tells you about coverages, and you can create mismatches. And they had the absolute perfect time to do it at that point. And we convinced him. As you heard that clip, that was Sam Bradford in the intro. Sam Bradford talking about Kirk needing to throw to Kyle Rudolph, and we convinced him to throw to Kyle Rudolph. And you and I have been trying for a year to throw to him. He will catch it, and Kirk picked the perfect time to do it, Sage. Well, the Saints brought an all-out blitz on that play, and so that's really all you have. He did, if he didn't want to throw it to Kyle, let's just say he didn't like that matchup for some reason. It wasn't Kyle Rudolph. It was another tight end or receiver out there, and he didn't want to throw a fader out, let's just say, to Stephon Diggs in that situation. He did have Adam Thielen on the right-hand side run a stick route, which is about a four-yard out route. Now, in cover zero, which is the defense they got, everyone's going to play inside leverage. So, yeah, the fades are good, and those quick out routes are good as well. See, he might have had Thielen as well if he wanted to go to the right-hand side. Stefanski gave him a couple options on that play. But, obviously, having Kyle Rudolph in that situation, a guy who's, you know, I don't know if he's 6'5", he's, he might be 6'6", uh, an excellent high school 
basketball player, and he's been making catches like that, not just this year, but really his whole career uh, as a Viking. I, Kyle's not one of the best tight ends in the NFL anymore as far as a you know uh, uh, 100-yard field, but inside the 10, I think he's maybe as good as there is in this league. Inside the 5, inside the 10, he is such a tremendous red zone threat, and that's the reason uh, you know he was in. That's, that's the reason they have him instead of Irv Smith in that spot on that play is because he doesn't always get separation from the DB, but he doesn't need it. His arms get separation, his height gets the separation, and he goes up and, you know, nine times out of the ten, he makes that contested catch if you put the ball, uh, you know, somewhere on the money. And he has one drop in the last two years. And And I'm sure you noticed this, that one thing I thought was impressive there from Cousins, showing his poise at the end of the game, which has not always or anywhere close been the case with Kirk Cousins, and that's why it was so impressive what he was able to do, because it, it's been time after time where, yeah, well, he had the ball against the Los Angeles Rams and fumbled it away at the end. He had the ball at the end against Seattle and didn't make it happen there, and now he has the ball at the end and he goes down and does it. But he kind of fumbled the snap a little bit. Yep. Like it just it wasn't perfect there, and he got it in his hand and he got it out right before the rush got there. And if there was any time for him to go like full Kirk and do something where everyone goes, no, how did that happen? It would have been fumbling the snap right there and not getting the touchdown. But he showed a remarkable amount of poise at the end of that game in overtime. He was, and yeah, the snap wasn't perfect. He didn't catch it clean, and sometimes that just happens. And the hard part is that you know you have to get the rid of the ball immediately. And, and if he would have held on the ball an extra half a second, he's getting hit as he's throwing it, uh, and it would have been an incomplete pass or some sort of fumble or something. So uh, he got that ball out perfectly, and, and he probably could have thrown it another foot or so higher because Rudy has such a great catch radius, but it was a good throw. And, and uh, you know, obviously Rudy did not push off at all. That did not happen. It was a uh, an absolutely perfectly no pass interference type of fade catch, and um, of course the Vikings win, and and off we go. It was really cool in the social media seeing the various people I know, uh, uh, Ben Lieber and some others who are right there in that end zone, uh, and there are some great shots in social media of that catch uh, of that touchdown catch, and uh, and obviously the celebration afterwards. Well, let's talk about the interference thing because I have kind of a theory here, and this is an offshoot of I forget which former NFL coach said that you need to be able to go into a bar and ask people, was it a catch or was it pass interference? And if they all agree, then you overturn it. And if they don't, then you don't. And when I see people yelling at each other, former refs yelling at each other, and you see coaches and analysts and everybody else on Twitter or on TV saying, it was interference, it wasn't interference, he pushed off, he didn't push off, it was hand fighting, that to me, says this is the very definition of you can't overturn. You have <laughs> yeah. to, everyone has to agree. Everyone on this earth agrees that Nikel Roby Coleman last year interfered with their receiver, the Saints receiver, that he smashed into him way before the ball got there. Everyone in the entire world would have said, okay, yeah, you can't do that. But on this play, if there's going to be that much debate about it, you have to go with what's on the field. And what's funny about that, Sage, is in my mind, when it happened, I was like, okay, game over. Let's. Oh yeah, well they're reviewing it automatically, but there's nothing to review because I didn't think there was anything to review. I, I thought it was just two guys going at it, and if it's a five foot ten receiver instead of a six foot six tight end, we are not talking about the slightest extension of the arm. 
Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, you know, it, it, in my opinion, it probably was a little pass interference, but to be honest with you, who cares? Who cares? The game's over. The Vikings won. It doesn't really matter at this point, right? And so I think Rudy probably didn't even need it. You know, I said he's so good at catching the ball without having to get that separation of just going up and just being taller and, and having that high catch radius. I think he probably still catches the ball without that slight push off, but, um, you know, maybe seven out of 10 people say it was a push off and three out of 10 say it wasn't. Again, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It yeah. was a touchdown. They called it a touchdown. They were not going to overturn it. This wasn't nearly as egregious as the play with the Rams last year. Uh, it wasn't one-tenth as egregious as the play uh, was the 49ers Seahawks from uh, just a week ago uh, where it was the middle linebacker who was basically oh, molesting yes. the yeah. wide receiver in the end zone. They didn't call that one, and they didn't overturn that one. So I knew even though they were going to look at it, there was absolutely no chance they were going to overturn that play. Okay, let's talk about what this means for Kirk Cousins to get the monkey off his back, to have that moment in the locker room where he can scream you like that and have the guys go crazy. Uh, inside of the locker room, inside of the front office, inside, I'm sure, of the coach's room, they are human. They think a lot of the things we do. And that's one of the things that I've always noticed from being in this business. When you talk to people, especially off the record, a lot of times they're like, yeah, well, yeah, we have to, we don't like that you're out there saying it in public about our team, but you kind of got a point. And they all know that Cousins has not come through since he's been here. They all know that against winning teams, it's been much more like it was in Green Bay both times this year than like it was in New Orleans. But if we're talking about their chances to go to San Francisco and win, their chances to go to Green Bay and win, potentially for a chance, assuming that, you know, Green Bay is the team that they face for a potentially a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I think the confidence level of everyone around Kirk Cousins is now different because of what happened in that overtime. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you go back to the beginning of the season and we would talk about, you know, at some point this year, Kirk Cousins is going to have to have a game where they're behind by 10 points in the fourth quarter, he brings them back, or there's a game-winning drive versus a, a playoff-caliber football team, and, and he comes through with a couple clutch throws. He was going to need a couple clutch moments during the year. He really didn't have too many. Uh, he had some games. You know, we thought that Cowboys game was a big game, but really at the end of the day, it was more because of the running game and the defense that won that football game and, and less on Cousins' arm. You know, We had the Kansas City game where he had a chance at the end uh, to come through and win it and they didn't and there's a couple others obviously along the line and I think I was thinking you know week 10 week 12 at some point he's going to have to make that play or, or have that drive or have that game or fourth quarter where he brought this team back and it never really happened well it happened yesterday and that was the moment that this team needed that this that is the moment that this franchise needed that this quarterback needed to say okay this is the guy that can bring it when it really matters in overtime in the Superdome I mean, there's really almost no tougher, uh, sort of more clutch instance than, than that exact place and that exact time and that exact game is playing the Saints in the Superdome in overtime. Uh, you get the ball first, and he goes down, and he makes those three or four clutch throws as we were talking about. And obviously the, the great throw, the, the, the third down throw, rather than run the ball, they put it in the quarterback's hands, he comes through. All right, they get that. They get the run out to near midfield with Alvin Cook. You know the other team's going to play, you know, seven or eight guys in the box and try to stop that run. He gets man coverage. 
he makes the play. At the end of the game, they go all a blitz. You can't run against that. He makes the play. So, uh, you know, hats off to, to Kirk Cousins and this entire football team. But I think everybody, even if you don't like Kirk Cousins, uh, which I don't know why you wouldn't like him, but if somebody that didn't like him, you got to be happy for him in this instance because, yeah, he has had that monkey on this back, and he talks about that, doesn't bother him. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's got to be a struggle to not, not be clutch in a lot of football games over the course of your mm-hmm. career and then to finally come through in the biggest of big moments and be absolutely clutch and be absolutely perfect. Uh, that was uh, uh, that, that, that was great to watch. And, of course, so, so much fun to see that celebration in the locker room. And for him to say that was absolutely fantastic. Yep. And we might ultimately end up looking at it, depending on how this plays out, as when he finally became the, the true leader of the team. Because we know this, that there's a lot of things you can say. You could be a great guy. You could try to pump everybody up and be, or you could try to be their friend, or you could try to hold them accountable, or whatever it's going to be. But what athletes respect the most is just success, the people who win. And the reason that the, a lot of these same players love Teddy Bridgewater is that he won. And with Kirk Cousins, they hadn't seen it yet. And that's what you need to see to have the true respect is, does the, does the guy who's paid the most money to come through come through? And he did that yesterday in the moment that was the biggest to beat Drew Brees. So let's take a break, Sage. And when we come back, I want you to explain how the Vikings slowed down Drew Brees like that when almost nobody has made life that difficult for Drew Brees in the Superdome in a very, very long time. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback and our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels, talking about the Vikings' 26-20 to win over New Orleans yesterday. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. 